Good evening, folks. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench right here with you until 7 o'clock and certainly a packed hour of sports coming your way between now and 7pm. On the show, going to react from Cork's defeat to Kilkenny in the Allianz Hurling League semi-final. We're going to hear from the Cork footballers and their dramatic draw with Derry this afternoon. A late, late goal for the Rebels. Screen them a draw in Porky Cueve. We'll also have reaction from Cork's Camogie team as they lost that to Galway. They'll go head to head again in the final in three weeks' time. Going to hear from motorsport driver Luca Allen about his plans for the year and working for Jeremy Clarkson. And we are going to hear from Claire Shine in Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy. The first part of that fascinating conversation coming up at about half past six. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Delighted you could join us here on the Big Red Bench. We're here until 7 if you'd like to get any of your sporting thoughts into us. Send us an old text 0868104106 or you can tweet us as well at Big Red Bench is the place to do that. All right, uh, we have a lot to get through on the show today. We are going to hear from uh, Cork boss Pat Ryan very, very shortly. Uh, we're going to kick off the show though by hearing from John Cleary after uh, Cork's draw with Derry today. It was dramatic stuff. Uh, down in Porky Cueve today the second game of a double header today of course with uh, Cork and Galway and the Camogie on before that but one fourteen apiece was how it finished uh, Cork searching for something dramatic in injury time they got it Ian McGuire scoring a late late goal for the Rebels so Cork still in Division 2 for next year Derry uh, go up uh, as top of uh, as uh, champions of Division 2 so fantastic stuff indeed uh, from the Oak Leaf County but let's hear from Cork boss John Cleary Restart, John? Yeah, uh, John, 55 minutes, not so good. Last 15, good? Uh, yeah, that's nearly to sum it up. Um, we were hanging on by our fingernails there. Um, f- in fairness, uh, Derry kind of taught us a, le- a lesson, really, for a lot of it. They they soaked us up, they defended well. Times we didn't maybe help ourselves. Uh, and then they broke with intent and they looped around and, you know, they cut us open pretty easily. Um, now, there were times, all right, when we broke when we broke them and we got up the field but we didn't we didn't punish them like again we had two probably guilt age goal chances didn't take them and uh, you know it, it looked like there was going to be the difference in the end and look we got a bit of luck in the end high ball could have went anywhere ended up in the back of the net so uh, look we'll take we'll take it definitely it's good for morale and all the lessons are there today and, and we didn't suffer defeat learning the lessons what do, you th- what do you think the managing for the transformation in the last quarter was? What you that well, I, I suppose, look, in one respect, when we said the, the type of game that Derry would play, um, it's, it's they will tire, you know what I mean? And if you can, keep with them, keep with them. And it, within, you know, within distance, if you're, you, you know, you, you, you might have a chance. And the, the games we looked at there, you know, the, they were so far out of sight. It didn't matter that they tired in the end. But the, the type of game they play is, is high intensity. And maybe they were down a few players today or whatever. But, you know, uh, they, they, they got a man from the bench there the second half. But we felt if we could stay in there that they might tire. And we were lucky enough to keep chipping away and get the scores. And we had a bit of luck in the end with the goal. You got six in a row, like and there was no hint of panic, so there wasn't any sort of lack of composure. Well, there, there was, because, look, I suppose, you know, the, the worst thing you can do in, in this situation is panic. And, and if, they, if you do, you're going to get punished mm-hmm. because they just they will stay at their system and you have to keep over and back and try and some, 
try and probe and try and hit and uh, look that's that's what we did and, and if you can get in with a score then you have a chance of a maybe of a fluke and, and that's what happened today and maybe that made up for the two we missed so look we'll take a draw all the lessons we got today we'll take them but you know it's it's back now two weeks time now and up to us again for the championship uh, and look we're going up probably in better spirits than we would if we were beaten by eight or nine points and it looked maybe at some stage there in the second half that was going to go away from us big time but credit the lads they kept at it kept at it and we got a nice impact from the bench I thought a bit of freshness and got got a point in the end the league overall um, would it be reasonably satisfying look it was a big it was a mixed bag yeah. I, I, I would think um, you know the, the 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 meat game. We were very disappointed. We came into it kind of and, and with, with with a plan, yeah. and uh, it you know meat hit us, uh, and we learned a lot of lessons from that. And after that, look, I thought the low game definitely last week. We should have like we had six goal chances. It, 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 again, it was a game which we shouldn't have left behind us. But look, that's the lessons of the league. Um, probably the two best teams in Division Two uh, got promoted. Dublin and Derry and um, you know we, we learned an awful lot from it and you know if you let your guard down or if you're not on it at, at this level you're going to get punished and we you know we experienced a very defensive football both by you know different types of lout and Derry played defensive and then hit you on the break and then we had other types of, of games as well Dublin um, you know Clare Limerick so you know, we learned an awful lot from it and I hope the lads will, will drive on now and take that because uh, like the way Derry played at times today was textbook and uh, we were floundering and we couldn't get at them and uh, that's where we hope to get to now going forward but uh, it's, it's, it's a journey that we're on and you know, we, we, we'll see if we can get there going forward. Your team selection was interesting. What was, what was the thinking behind the changes? I, well, I suppose Maris Shanley was injured. Uh, got injured during the week so um, and uh, you know it, it was a case of maybe trying a couple of different bodies um, Killian O'Hanlon hadn't got a lot of game time so you know it, it wasn't a do or die game today so we needed maybe to get a game into him and um, Save the poker maybe full forward just Yeah well he was more a corner than full really and we let him out around the field because we knew like against Derry it, he, we weren't going to have three inside in the full forward line and, and it was a case of him coming out and, and having a bit of space and you know it allowed us then to get Killian on the pitch and to get game time into him and, and uh, you know Brian O'Driscoll as well had been out for a while so we needed to get game time into him so a lot of that and, and Kevin O'Donovan he got through a full game today as well now so look um, you know strengthens our panel and, and, and hopefully the lads I don't know whether they'll be back now the injuries now for two weeks time or not but but look, if they're not, we have, we have guys there that, that, that stepped up to the plate today and already, you know. happy enough going into the championship? Yeah, sure, you're never happy, like, you know what I mean? Like, we have a few injuries and, and, and we would have liked maybe an extra week or two to try and prepare for the championship. Uh, but we don't have that now. And it's a case of, you know, licking the wounds now, you know, get, you know, for a few days and, and totally focused on going to Innes in two weeks' time. Who's oh, in danger, John, of missing Innes there? Pardon? Who's in danger of missing Oh, well, Brian Hurley and, 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 and Mara and, uh, at this moment in time, like I know it's two weeks out, would you be confident, or how would you assess their chances? I'd say 50-50. Okay. Now, injury, if you don't mind. Hamstring. And Brian. Shoulder. Okay. And just going back to the, the league overall, you did mention me and the loud. How do you think you're doing on consistency, even today, like what's coming down? And then, uh, 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 yeah, we we look. Um, we, we're trying to implement a game plan and things like that. Um, and look, we're 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 not there yet. You know, I, and we're not at the level we'd like to be. But look, this is a journey. Uh, you don't automatically 
maybe come from nearly relegated last year and be beaten 10 and 12 points by Kerry and, and, and Dublin the championship to be up you know what I mean it's 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 a slow burner Derry has taken loud you know what I mean they're two and three years and, and I suppose we're looking at them and, and you can go in with all the notions and the preconceived ideas that they discard or whatever but you still have to go through your apprenticeship you still have to dog you know play the likes of these play the likes of loud Dublin the top teams and you've got to figure out a way trying when you're under pressure to stay in the game and then when you get a chance to to actually um to actually punish them and if there's maybe the thing big thing that we took from the league is, is the amount of goal scoring chances we've missed uh, and that's hopefully that we can work on that turn around the players are good enough to do that and maybe on another day uh, against the top team we can we can get those and it'll, it'll take us on to the next level there's nobody definitely ruled out from the, of the, for the championship definitely like Nobody no, did. no, probably Carl O'Mahony is the guy that, that oh, that's the he'll, he'll definitely miss the Monster oh, Championship yeah. anyway, you know. Um, so you hope, hope for that everyone will be available, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're it's as I said, it's 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 50 50, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, and I like, uh, we'll see what the, the medics say there, oh, yeah. you know. Uh, Morris only got injured during the week, so he's 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 been scanned and we'll have a look, see where he's at. Yeah, Sean Cleary boss there of Cork speaking after uh, today's uh, draw with Derry dramatic stuff indeed down in Porky Cueve that late late goal um, from uh, Ian Maguire securing um, a point or a draw for the Rebels it was, it was just dramatic dramatic stuff seven points or seven minutes gone uh, into injury time and uh, Cork uh, just pulling it out of the bag against uh, Derry who uh, finished uh, top of Division 2 um, after uh, that game in Park we played a second game of that double header the first game of which was uh, Cork and Galway in the uh, very Camogie League um, we are going to uh, hear from that uh, game uh, very very shortly indeed um, it was a great day down in Parky Cueve with two big games um, so it was a fantastic uh, chance for Cork fans to get down and see uh, the Camogie side in action and uh, to see uh, the footballers in action and the footballers have had a, a good run in the uh, league uh, this uh, season and uh, Camogie's um, the Camogues um, four wins out of four going into today defeat to Galway today and narrowly narrowly beaten by them but um, it's um, Cork and Galway again going head to head in uh, the Camogie League final in three weeks time we're going to hear from the Camogie team shortly first though we are going to go to Nolan Park because uh, Cork have lost out uh, to Kilkenny today 222 to 22 points was how it finished in that semi-final today of the Alliance Hurling League uh, Owen Downey sent off in the second half for Cork so uh, Cork, that was about after about 40 minutes so the Cats will now play Limerick in the decider so we are going to hear now from uh, Cork boss Pat Ryan uh, speaking to the Assembled Media after uh, today's game Pat's your overall assessment Pat ah, look, she looked disappointed I suppose um, probably in delivering her performance right? look, but, uh, look I suppose look in fairness um, we came back we started very poorly in the first half the first 15 minutes and then got back into the game I suppose and we're down the goal at half time um, and unfortunately look it was slapping enough penalty and then obviously getting sending off kind of made it, uh, made it difficult as the game went on but look very proud of our fellas the way we fought there in the second half uh, brought it back to 3 or 4 points today and had a couple of opportunities to bring it back even closer probably should have used the ball smaller but look, look in fairness continue to use the ball well there with the spare man in the second half and got maybe 2 or 3 handy scores that we didn't get you know 
important you put the slow start down to? I don't know, really, look, I suppose, look, it's just maybe fellas not maybe attacking the ball a bit more, uh, enough, right? Uh, obviously, in fairness to Kenny Wright, look, we were playing with the wind in the first half and got on ball and got a few things that we gave away, a couple of sloppy frees earlier, thought, and got them into the game. And look, we had a couple of opportunities where we were in through ourselves. Maybe um, Tommy, Tommy probably could have taken the score, tried to give the ball to Conor Callan, and look, 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 small things like that, you know. Um, and I, 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 that one you mentioned, like, I suppose he was trying to create a goal opening. Yeah, he was. There yeah. weren't too many other opportunities like that, like... is there some bit of an advantage now that you have the clarity of having the, the, the time between now and April 30th yeah, to exactly. look, 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 we're not going to hide away from it we'd like to win today and got to the final but look, look obviously it gives us um, it gives us as you said it gives us clarity you know, we've been for five weeks look obviously the league was about uh, trying to find players and fellas getting used to our systems and the way we want to play and the way we deal with things and uh, look that's been it's been very good to us to say it's, it's been fantastic for us really but uh, look we're five weeks now the championship and then that, as you said look it's just great clarity yeah, our training and stuff like that and with Owen I, I presume that's suspension will probably affect the, the Waterford game yeah I think so we'll just have to we'll just have to have a look, yeah. look, look to be honest with you. I didn't see Owen doing too much look there was, there was 25 fillers involved over the yeah, yeah. I think I think a fella getting sent off or something like that uh, yeah, and he's going to miss a championship match in a league game look, you know even David Fitzgerald last, last week for Clare uh, getting sent off against us and missing a championship match I think it's totally unfair um, but I think, I think there, there are separate competitions and I think they should be treated that way Overall, the league, you must be happy. You got a lot of overs, tried a lot of players, and we were winning at the same time. Yeah, look, 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 we're happy enough with it. Yeah, look, look, obviously it ends in a small bit of sorrow, not there with all and stuff. This is the main, main disappointing thing because it'd be one, it'd be one great for us. Um, but look, we'll see. Look, we'll obviously we'll be looking at that video and see if we feel that you know. So, because look, I don't, I don't think it's too much. Look. Do you look for challenge games now? Uh, yeah, look, we'll, we'll see what the story is there now. Look, obviously there's lots of teams we'll have stuff organised and stuff like that. Look, but look, um, we've a lot of fellas back there. I know we've got Charlie McLean back there Tuesday night back training. So, and uh, the more we do with them, the better. Did you learn more today, Pat, than maybe even throughout the round robin stages? Yeah, look, 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 I think the one thing is that our fellas are fighting for us, you know, and you can see that even in the second half. Look, obviously, we just need to use the ball a small bit better, and uh, we had a couple of great opportunities there in the second half where we could have carried the ball a bit more and, 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 and given it to the, uh, the overlapping man. We'd have created a few more scores off. I thought we'd a lot of soft fights there, even in the second half. Um, that would have brought us back into the game. We got back to three or four points at one stage, and, you know, it was, there was seven minutes to the clock, we were three or four points normally, you know, so if we could tag that one or two, you're, you're um, you're making it um, tough for them to win. Just on John's question there, what way will you go out the next five weeks or so? Yeah, look, look, look obviously we might give him a bit of time off now, next maybe two, three or four days, and we'll get him back in again. And uh, but obviously we'll uh, do a camp 15, 16, so we'll go out two weeks before championship. Uh, and we'll see where we go with that. You know? That's Pat Ryan there speaking after uh, Cork's defeat uh, to Kilkenny, 222 to 22 points. It's all finished in Nolan Park today. Uh, Cork playing a lot of the second half with 14 after Owen Downey was sent off. Um, the dubs today um, were in action in uh, poor, uh, Crook Park I should say and the big news there for them and they beat Louth today 16 points to 1-6 no surprise there I suppose but the big news there was that Stephen Cluxton was on the bench he's been back training with the dubs uh, for the last number of weeks uh, let's hear from Desi Farrell the Dublin boss briefly talking about uh, Stephen Cluxton being back in the fold with the dubs Stephen has trained a couple of weeks now and um, he's fit and healthy and uh, keen and eager and we've had a, a number of goalkeeping injury woes. Uh, you'll all be fairly familiar, Evan hasn't 
uh, played any minutes uh, this season yet and while he's uh, walking his way back and hopefully to full recovery at some stage during the championship um, Hugh O'Sullivan our under 20 keeper uh, he's, he's been injured uh, recently as well and tied up with the 20 so uh, we definitely had a vacancy there and Stephen has always said if if he could ever help us out in any way he'd be willing to do that and um, we're delighted to have him in the mix now at this stage yeah. Sorry. No, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, knowing the individual who he is, is the competitive juices are always there, and he's always been um, Dublin true and true. And uh, when, when the time calls, he'd step forward, and uh, it's great to have him. Yeah, it's uh, Desi Farrell there on Stephen Cluxton. Um, let's go to the first game that was in Porky Cueve today. Uh, Cork against uh, Galway in the uh, Camogie League. It was Galway who won there um, in the uh, the opener. It finished uh, Galway one eleven, Cork one ten. So then now go head to head again in through time in the league final. We'll hear from uh, Cork uh, selector Germanly shortly. Let's hear from uh, Laura Tracy first. Okay, disappointment at the result, but another very very good performance. And you're going to face this team again in the national league final. So you know what to expect. Yeah, look, I suppose um, we need to look at the positives of today, I guess, um, when we're reviewing this game. Um, it's probably very fresh in my mind at the moment, and there's probably a few frustrations from um, different sides of how that game went. But um, no, look, we blooded new blo- um, players into the game today. They got a big run out against the top-class team. Galway had to come down and win this game today, and they showed their quality. They were very good today, and they were deserving winners in the end. Very windy conditions. Seemed the wind seemed to be changing all the time. Was it hard on the, on the pitch side? Uh, yeah, I feel like it was a bit more of a, a wind that was going across the field in the first half and then it kind of changed in Galway's favour there. But look, um, that's no excuse for us today. I guess um, we, we have to go back and regroup now um, three weeks before we play them now um, in a league final. So that's going to be a massive battle. Overall, very, very good league campaign. Four consecutive wins coming in today and you got to within a point and right near the end there. You've blooded a lot of new young players, as you've said as well. Maybe today's a good learning curve. Absolutely. We can, we can only learn from today. You know, there's loads of different um, aspects of our game that we have to improve on and it's early in the year as well, like we're only in March and loads of girls getting great opportunities out there today and in other games throughout the league. So, no, we're looking forward to the year ahead, but uh, loads to improve on. Well. That's Laura Tracy there in conversation with the hardest working person in the business, Joe McCarthy, after uh, today's defeat by Galway. Let's hear now from uh, Cork Mugimento, Joe Manley. Okay, look, Joe, obviously disappointment, you know, a one point loss and having won all the games coming into it, but you're already in a league final. You had a good look at the team you're going to be playing, and a lot of young players have had a good run this season, so there's a lot of positives still to be taken. Yeah, a lot of positives. Look, our, our aim is to start the, the league campaign, must get to the final. Disappointing to lose, but look, they're a very good Galway team. We know that from last year, and they came at full strength today. And look, we've a few injuries in that, but uh, I thought the girls that came on did well. It's the first time someone had played in a starting a national league game. Um, supposed to get an unfortunate goal, but look, that makes teams stronger. I thought we came back well after the goal again, but of course, there's a decision with one or two frees that went their way there in front of the goal. Goals, like putting their foot in the ball very harsh at us and at the end of the day that was the winning point so look I know happy enough with it overall the league campaign we have a final in three weeks and I think Galbert thrown out to the final against us so look it's good to play the best teams so she needs to get prepared for championship that's the one thing with you this year as well Jordan consistency because you went up to Tipperary and won you went to Kilkenny and won and you've won your home games when they came about and you're trying to build a panel just to get you know, it's not going to be a 15 that wins it for you this year it's going to be 20-25 no uh, yeah Matthew still out his stall start to the air like he changed things around uh, we have an excellent coach and uh, Liam Cronin top class and uh, I think everything is going well for us a lot of new players got games mm-hmm. and the older players are coming back look we have two Mackies coming back now from the older Cronin made she hasn't played in quite a bit yeah. and look she came in today for a few minutes to give her a bit of game time and look 
look, there's a few more that will be back as well for the next day. But look, it's building a squad. You need us. Like, we got so many injuries, God, with four crutches, which is, for the girls, they're working very hard. But look, um, will they see game time? Hopefully some of them will, but you just don't know with crutches. But um, we've been very unlucky with, um, with injuries this year. I think I know the answer, but how important is the three-week block to know in the league and how much you get in? Oh, definitely the dual players. Like um, We had Dora Callan today. She's... Or, uh, like she's after playing a lot of matches Libby Coventer I suppose would you leave her on for all the matches probably not but today look we had to leave her on I suppose she's, she's an unbelievable player you've had a lonely playing match Evie Healy has been injured mm. but look, the jewel thing in Cork is, is a big thing and it's just unfortunate yeah. that we've so many talented players that can play both codes uh, finally a league final to look forward to something to aim for which I think is yes. good for the players as well and even from talking to a couple of them they're, they're not happy with today's results so they want to rectify that no they're, they're hard themselves like, mm-hmm. you can see like, they're, they're elite players like, even well on both sides of male hurling and female and they're very elite like, they want to win all the time and the important thing for them is that um, the next day what the best thing about sports another day and I think the next day gives us something to aim for now well done, Joe. We'll talk to you again. All right, Joe. Sounds well. Yes, sure, Manly there. Cork, our co-commenter, speaking after today's defeat to go. We're going to change tack talk. Motorsport now. Our pal Luca Allen was in studio earlier on this week. Let's look ahead to a big season with a new team. And he's been working with Jeremy Clarkson as well. This might chat with our good pal Luca Allen. All right, delighted to be joined by our old pal Luca Allen, who joins us in studio ahead of what could be a massive, massive year of racing. Luca, it's good to see you again. It's been a while. We're trying to figure out there how long it's been. It's been a couple of years, it's yeah I know Yeah, with Covid there in the middle it feels like everything is time wise all over the place but um, but yeah it's great to be back in here setting up for what hopefully will be a, be a huge year for us uh, racing in Europe and uh, great to talk to you again Rory thanks for having me thanks for coming in it's always a pleasure buddy um, how did Covid affect your, your racing and, and, and your career? Um, I mean same as anyone it just took a small gap out of what you're meant to be doing you could put your feet up for a bit I was <laughs> I was in Japan over uh, during Covid racing so um, I got in the car when I could and when the restrictions weren't too bad And but yeah it was fine thank God we're over it now yeah that's right yeah, I remember talking to you on Skype from Japan you were just basically uh, almost a prisoner in your room with anything, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it yeah so it's amazing and tell us um, you're back in Ireland just for a couple of hours so you've popped over here to, to talk to us tell to us about what's happening this year and, and what's going to be happening this year so this year, uh, last year I made the switch to prototype racing, which mm-hmm. is like Le Mans 24 Hour and um, and all those kind of races. Um, uh, so I won the championship in my debut year in LMP3, uh, which I suppose is kind of the F3 of, of prototypes yeah. uh, last year. And then this year uh, I've stayed with um, the, the team Graf, a very good team, and they've given me a chance in the highest uh, kind of championship in Europe that, that I can race in this category so um, hopefully it'll be a good year yeah, and it'll um, set us up for going to Le Mans 24 hour in a few years hopefully yeah fingers crossed and uh, there's six rounds of racing at Formula 1 tracks across Europe yeah so that's exciting as well I haven't actually done much racing in Europe it's mainly been UK and Japan um, so to be going to tracks like Spa and uh, Imola and uh, kind of all the best kind of F1 tracks in Europe and then of course the Le Mans 24 hour mm. which is like the street circuit all through the city but 300,000 spectators it's like the week uh, the town stops for that week mm. so that'll be a great experience yeah it's going to be an incredible experience just racing on those Formula 1 tracks that you've obviously seen so much of just from watching on TV over the years yeah like yeah, even yeah. Spa in particular like would, like, would be incredible I know, yeah, yeah. and the, they're not the easiest circuits as well. No. So to drive them for uh, an hour and a half or whatever my stint will be, um, it's, it'll be challenging, but we're ready for it. It'll be it'll be a good year. Talk to me about Graf Racing and how they approached you. So Graf, um, last year they basically gave me a chance in the LMP3 car. I didn't have experience in prototypes, but um, I managed to 
tell them I'd be fast and I was, it was kind of um, it was a bit of a gamble on both sides but um, it, it just worked out really well I kind of got to grips with the car really nicely and uh, gelled with the team and once you gel with the team you're kind of halfway there in terms of chemistry and, and everything like that so we've stayed with them for this year to give us the, kind of the best chance in, in winning the championship and bringing the European Championship back to Cork really Is there a language barrier at all done through English or? There is a bit of a language barrier. I'm going to try to learn a bit of French now this year. Um, <laughs> try to remember from the leaving sort kind of thing. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's grand. It's um, yeah, they're, they're a nice bunch to get on with, so there's no problems there. Yeah, and Le Mans 24 Hours, as you mentioned, is the, the target in a couple of years. I mean, that's such an iconic race. I think everyone, even non-motorsport fans, know it. Yeah, so this year, um, obviously, we'll be doing the support race for it. Uh, so just before the big race, and uh, this is the hundredth anniversary. So this is um, kind of considered to be one of the biggest motorsport spectacles um, of the decade. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's huge, as I said, with three hundred thousand spectators throughout the weekend, and um, and obviously broadcasters worldwide. So if we can get the if we can get the Irish flag on the top of the podium there somehow, um, <laughs> be incredible, I think we'll it? all be happy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the target. So for the next couple of years, is just getting that Le Mans twenty four hour drive. Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many factors that come into it. Uh, obviously, there's still a few years of raising the sponsorships, kind of raising and, and show what I can do. My team are supporting me quite a lot this year, uh, thankfully, because they've, they've the trust in me. And then um, also a company like Right Price Tiles, who I, I wouldn't be here if they. I wouldn't be here today without them. They've been supporting me and believed in me since my karting days. And um, and yeah, I mean, there's great opportunities there for, for Cork brands that they want to send out a few friends or send out some future clients or, or current mm-hmm. clients to a race and um, enjoy kind of the racing right in the pit lane with them. Um, with me and mm. uh, and hopefully win as well. And obviously, getting sponsorship is such a massive, vital part of what you do, and like it's essential, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's it is massive. Um, so for me, I, I have to make sure I look after my sponsors, and and I give them more than just a, a sticker on the side of the car. I want kind to of, <laughs> I want to give their company um, an identity, a motorsport, and um, a really good kind of natural fit with the brands and, and then of course overall give them a, a great time if they want to come out and watch a race yeah exactly and just the hospitality package even just getting to a race the buzz of a race is just a fantastic experience for people yeah yeah it's, it's probably something you can't really imagine unless you're there but it's uh, just a noise you can't you know you can't get the noise off TV like you know what I mean yeah. once you're there it's just something else yeah definitely then with all the spectators there this year um It'll uh, it'll just add to it. Um, it'll be a great year. Yeah, fingers crossed, man. If people want to get in touch with sponsorship, how do they go about that? Um, just reach out to me on Instagram. I suppose it's um, there's there's loads of different packages. I just completely work with the company to tailor to them and mm. uh, and whatever they want to do. But yeah, just reach out to me. I think the packages they start at about five thousand. If you want to fly out, loads of friends for kind of VIP hospitality and everything looked after by me and. Um, and then obviously there's branding on the team wear, branding on the car, my helmet and all the social media things, you know, how, how big that's getting there. So, um, so yeah, we do it all really. And um, I, I love having Cork brands on my car. Mm. I have have some people from Cork who've supported me um, since I kind of started winning in carts. And um, and yeah, hopefully uh, in four years' time we'll we'll have five to ten Cork brands on the top step of the podium in Le Mans. Mm. Fingers crossed, man. Uh, you're based in the UK now full-time, is that right? Yeah. How so, have you made that change and how did you find it? Uh, I mean, it was grand. It was um, obviously r- racing in Europe this year. I decided you know, I won't bother living at home. I'll kind of race or I'll live close to Silverstone where it's um, it's all going on motorsport-wise. And So I'm doing a bit of work at Silverstone as an instructor and uh, 
doing yeah j- just kind of keep along between my races training a lot and um, it's nice it's grand over there yeah How have you found the instruction side of things I see that you got your, your racing licence and the instructor's licence recently Yeah yeah it's good it's um it's better, I suppose, than working on the farm at home and uh, <laughs> picking weeds at, at Ballymaloo. But, uh, um, but yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Um, obviously, being in the car as much as I possibly can is great. So Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a good way to stay involved, I suppose, when you're not racing yourself as well. Um, you're working for Jeremy Clarkson, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got it. Is Lisa Hogan, basically, who's um, Jeremy's girlfriend, is Irish as well, so I, I gave her a call at the start of last year, and it was just kind of the right time. She said, okay, well, listen, we're, we're looking for someone to run the farm shop, and I obviously talked up myself a bit and said, <laughs> I... Uh, Dropping the name Ballymaloo every four seconds, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, that, that was really good. So last, last year I did full-time for them. But this year, uh, I am a bit less time. I've said, like, listen, Lisa, Jeremy, I need some more time to go racing. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're very understanding, and... and uh, and they're they're just really nice, yeah. They 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 treat all me and all their workers really well, so it's a great place to work. It's a huge experience, man. Um, was Jeremy giving you advice on racing and your racing career, or was that something you just kind of stayed away from? Or uh, I mean, listen, he's busy. I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> he probably has more important things to be doing than me knocking on his door and uh, and telling him all about my race. I, I mention it to him when I can, but um, <laughs> but no, he's uh, yeah. I wouldn't want to hassle him too much. No. Yeah, exactly, man. So when's the first race coming up? 20th of April so the weekend of that um, in Barcelona so yeah another F1 track um, which is great first time at the track but obviously I know the car so there's no excuses now this year to just uh, get in and go So you've six races and imagine the target is just to get on the podium as much as you can in those six races Yeah yeah, the, the target is to win the championship I've got my teammate this year a guy called James Sweetenham from England He's uh, we've got a really good lineup together and as well with the team there's no reason why we can't win the championship this year and um, uh, and yeah we'll we'll do everything we possibly can to achieve that goal Magic dude uh, congratulations on the drive this year very very best of luck with the races this year we'll be following you very very closely as we always do and look forward to talking to you again throughout the year yeah Great. Thank you very much, Rory. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to Luke Allen about his motorsport career. Up next, we're talking to Claire Shine as part of Valerie McKay's series. Hear me roar. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. Now it's time for the final uh, part, or final episode, I should say, of Hear Me Roar, our series with Valerie McKay, which has been running since January. Our final guest is Claire Shine, former Irish International, former Cork City striker, and whose book, whose memoir, I should say, uh, scoring goals in the dark last year was released to critical acclaim this is part one of this uh, we'll have part two next Sunday but this is part one of Claire Shine with Valerie McCahey on Hear Me Roar What makes sportswomen tick? What motivates us? What inspires us? Who is the person behind the athlete? My name is Valerie McCahey I'm a ten time All-Ireland winner with Cork and a six time All-Star Now I'm turning host and talking to some of Cork's greatest sports stars or those who have a strong connection with Cork. In this series, I'm speaking to six inspiring athletes to find out their answers to these questions. This is Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy. I got the eye of the tiger, a fighter, dancing through the fire, cause I am a champion, you're gonna
Our final conversation is with former Republic of Ireland, Cork City and Glasgow City striker Claire Shine. Claire announced her retirement last year following a lengthy career that saw her win seven international caps and score the winner in the 2017 FAI Cup Final as Cork City defeated UCD Waves by a goal to nil in the Aviva Stadium. Last year saw Claire release her powerful memoir, Scoring Goals in the Dark, as she laid bare her struggles with her mental health. We discussed all that and more on part one of the final episode of Hear Me Roar. Hi Claire, thank you very much for joining me today on the, the big red bench and my big red sofa. <laughs> um, I guess, uh, let's start with you, uh, just reeling in the years, reeling in your own years in, in terms of sporting context. Um, I mean, I started actually playing GAA before I started playing soccer. Uh, I was playing the street leagues in Douglas with the boys up until under 11s, under 12s, until they actually had to kick me out of the dressing room and I wasn't allowed to change with the boys anymore. So, um, yeah, I can remember my mom always saying, you know, you have to go play with the girls now. And I was just never really happy with having to do that. I preferred getting stuck in with the boys, to be honest. Um, so I kind of took off from there and I joined Douglas Hall as well when I joined the street league. So I was about five um, kicking a ball with Dave Barry up in Broadale. He was actually living behind me and he introduced me to Noreen up in, in Douglas Hall. So, um, yeah, I kind of kicked on from there. And, yeah, I kind of, I realised after, you know, a couple of years that it was something that I always wanted to do um, and I was quite good at it. So, yeah, um, yeah I kind of went from there. When Was there a moment where you're like, yeah, I'm really good at this? Um... Not really. I think it was more parents' reactions to me, especially when I was playing with the boys. Okay. Uh, we won the under eleven community, under tens community games, Gaelic football, up in um, I can't Mosny? remember Mosny, yeah. Um, Eddie Murphy was our manager as well. Um, so that was probably one of my fondest memories. And I think you know there was a a really good picture um, of me getting away from one of the boys and he was had his hand out trying to pull my hair uh, <laughs> from behind me. Um, and I think it was there when I really started to believe, you know, that I I did have a talent. Uh, it was whether or not I knew which sport I wanted to go after. Yeah. Um, that was probably my toughest decision. Tell me more about your time in the G. Um, so I played Gaelic football with Douglas. Um and I played Camogie with Douglas and I played for Cork up until minor or was it under 16 Gaelic football? I was playing and then I played up until senior Camogie. Um, I think it was more Camogie I was kind of turning to at that stage. Um, Why do you think? I don't know. I think I really enjoyed the skill, the skill level in Camogie. Um, what are you saying about football? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying anything about football. Maybe we could have had the possibility of playing together if I did go down that route. But um, yeah, no, I think I just steered towards the camogie. Um, I did love, but you know, yourself, everything just started to clash and it was impossible for me to actually play the two. So I had to narrow down the gap to just one um, and try and fit in the time then for soccer as well yeah, as but that. Yeah, I was just going to say like you narrowed down the GA to one but that didn't alleviate too much because you actually were at one camp at one stage where you were playing soccer mm-hmm. and then going off to an All-Ireland final. So tell us more about that weekend. Yeah, so 
I was actually really heavily involved in the under nineteen um international setup and I, you know, I always dreamed about playing an All-Ireland final with Cork. Like, that was just something I always wanted to do. And, you know, I had played in the World Cup. I had played in European finals under 17. Um, And then when it came to it, when I had the... uh, I can't remember, it was a weekend in September anyway, and it was the All-Ireland final, and I had trained all year with the Camogie. And then, of all weekends, it fell on the same weekend as an international camp. Like, what are the odds of that happening? I know I'm very... Um, honoured to be in a position to have to kind of choose because those um, opportunities don't come to to many people. So when it came to it, you know, I remember ringing Dave Connell and being like, look, the All-Ireland Final for Camogie is on the same weekend. This is something I've always wanted to do. You know, it's a dream. I was only 17 at the time as well. So I was playing, you know, two age groups above under 17 as well. So he said, look... We'll accept it this time. Um, I still had to go in and, and train on the Friday and Saturday and it was probably one of the toughest camps I've ever had. I had a fitness session on the Friday and a double session on the Saturday and then my mum collected me and I went to meet the girls before the All-Ireland final on the Sunday so I didn't actually get the full experience. I yeah. missed the train up and all the rest of it. Um, but I just remember getting my jersey and, and the team being named and I was starting and... Um, yeah, it was a whirlwind because yeah. I know we were playing Wexford at that time and the under-19s were playing Wexford Youths in yeah. a challenge game as well the, the, the same day. So I do I did get a lot of messages from the girls and I know they sat down, you know, um, having their lunch, watching the Camogie game and yeah. stuff like that, which was which was special. Unfortunately, we didn't actually come away with the win, but yeah, it's it's definitely up there with one of my proudest moments anyway. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing playing in Crow Park and experiencing that mm-hmm. on the biggest stage, the biggest day of your sporting career in terms of Camogie. So did you have regrets that you didn't actually just choose one experience fully or are you glad that you did both? Um, that weekend even? I'm glad. I, I wish I was able to stand off myself a bit more in terms of the load maybe because... I did the fitness testing or the fitness testing on the Friday, the double session on the Saturday. Played an all Ireland final on the Sunday, and then I had a cup final with Douglas Hall on the Tuesday in Turners Cross. So like that was a very very heavy couple of days, yeah. and I can remember like being completely burnt out. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, um, but you know I wanted to play everything. I wanted to do everything that was possible. I was in fifth year as well at the time, so. I wasn't very uh, someone who was taking my studies very seriously either, so that had to take a hit on the other front. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to do everything as much as I possibly yeah. could. I didn't really understand the effects it could have had on me long term, though. Yeah, but do you think the the coaches could have stepped in and said, "Player, well for here"? Or do you think was it the yeah, case they definitely. were looking out for themselves more? I think so. Yeah, I think that's with with all sports. You know, even when I was growing up, there was a few people who were playing both, they're trying to juggle both and they did like a football game on uh, the Saturday and then had to go and play for their county and on the Sunday, it's still happening to this yeah. day where they can't, you know, get the fixtures to, yeah. to help the players. Without the players, there's no game. So, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, a lot has to be said for that um, and there still <laughs> needs to be improvements. I'm still seeing stuff on social media about it and that was 10 years ago now. So, yeah. Um, 
yeah, I think players do need to come first, especially in situations like this. I do understand, obviously, it's the international setup. And in Ireland, this is our pride and, and glory, you know, the GAA. So I don't know, maybe the the relationship between the two isn't uh, that healthy, I suppose. Yeah, maybe but they're competing. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you... Did you find pressure to perform given you had such talent in an array of sports? Um, there was always that added pressure, yeah. Um, I can remember a lot of um, of my teammates even saying, parents saying, you know, if you don't go to this game, we're not going to win. Uh, if okay. you don't turn up, we're not going to be here. And I can remember a particular time I was away um, with the under-19s. I can't remember where we were. It was Austria. It was a European final or qualifiers anyway. And I came back and I was playing for Douglas um, Camogie and we had like a, a county uh, championship match and I hadn't trained all week and then I played and there was uproar. And I can remember going into the dressing room. I was probably 17, 16, 17 maybe. And I was just bawling, crying, being like, how are these people treating me like this? All I want to do is play. You know, I'm I'm not the one selecting the team at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. Interesting and that the pressure came from, say, teammates or yeah. from outside on you rather than... The internal you, pressure. Yeah, the yeah. pressure you put on yourself to perform. Yeah, not really. I think it just kind of came naturally to me anyway. Um, I had the talent um, to kind of get myself out of uh, these kind of situations. But yeah, that one was... was Even my mom, like, these are, that was probably the one moment that struck out. Um, like... Of course, I was going to go and, and represent my country. Like, there's not much. I, I couldn't, you know, juggle the two or be in two places at once, unfortunately. But, yeah, I kind of just came with it and I had to take it in my stride. And I think, yeah, towards the end of, of my camogie time anyway, it, it it was time for me to kind of part ways and, and just stick with one because, you know, I um it was starting to get a bit heavy. Yeah. Do you think you become a servant to everything and a master of none? Yeah. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Because, you know, I was trying to keep everyone happy as well at the same time. But, you know, in sport, you can't you can't do that, especially when you're trying to focus on two things when I was only probably giving 50% each yeah. rather than 100. And do you think sport helped you to, or did it cause problems? Like, from the sounds of it, it nearly created um, stressors for you. Yeah, did definitely. It? And I was underage, so my mom got majority of it, actually, to be honest. Um, but you know, I was always like, "Oh no, I want to try and do this and that." And sure, we could have, could have had a Gaelic football game in in Ballyvorney, and then, you know, three hours later, I could have a, a soccer match in Douglas Hall. Like it was impossible. Yeah. So. So then, fast forwarded, and then you decided, you know, I'm going to stick with soccer. Mm-hmm. And tell me about that journey of going pro. Yeah. So it came around. I we went to the European finals in Norway, 2014. I actually broke my leg the same year. Um and I scored against Spain. We ended up qualifying for or got getting through our group, which was a pretty um monumental, un- yes. wasn't it? Yeah. So we had England, uh, Spain, and Sweden in our group, and we were the last seed. There was no way we were going to be qualifying for the semi-finals, like. But we managed to do it. We had a really good team, close knit. You know, some of the greatest players to ever come out of Ireland was part of the squad, and namely. Yeah, <laughs> Denise um, Sullivan, Katie McCabe, McCabe. yeah, um, 
we managed to do it and unfortunately we came short to uh, the Netherlands in the semi-final Vivian Medima was actually playing and scored a hat-trick in the first half an hour I still get she does. over it yeah um, and then um, coming home from that then uh, I had my first stint in the, in the Champions League as well with Rohini and then it came about Denise Sullivan was actually playing at Glasgow City and she had got on to me saying that they were interested in me coming over on trial. It was actually me and Katie. Uh, boat went over. Uh, we stayed in an apartment over there. Uh, we went training and it was something I really wanted to do. So I went for it. And two weeks later, I ended up packing my bags and moving over and yeah, starting a whole new life. With Glasgow City. With Glasgow City, yeah. Fellow Cork woman and Irish international, Denise O'Sullivan had a big impact on Clare. The three of us played together at Cork City, while Clare and Denise will go on to play together at Glasgow City where Denise was a positive role model for Claire. When Denise departed for Euston Dash, Claire admits she struggled in Denise's absence. And it's interesting because I actually remember when we were playing soccer at Cork City together mm-hmm. and Denise Sullivan, like she's like, I describe her as messy. You just could not get the ball off her and her ability to dribble and move. And, and you see where she has gotten to now, you know, with um, the great heights she's reached in America in her club, you know, getting chosen as... What did she get? The player MVP, of the year? MVP, MVP among all the other... For two years in a row like that. Yeah, nuts. and that's competing against her American international mm-hmm. um, teammates. And I remember she was actually quite shy and was fearful of going so far away from home. So the stepping stone actually turned out to be Glasgow and wow, how she's just excelled and, and flown now and gone from the nest of Cork, you know, and Ochnini. And do you ever look back and go... Wow, I, I could have actually maybe done something like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think Denise took me under her wing really when we moved to, when I moved over. I was living with her. Uh, we did everything together. You know, she taught me the ropes really and how to be a proper professional. Um, and then she got her moved to Houston Dash, and it was as if I, it was like someone let me off a lead and I could just do whatever I wanted. It was as if. I had this just this freedom and football kind of came started to become second like it wasn't my main priority really yeah and is that because you lost that influence of someone around you uh, I think so I think so around that time as well from moving away from home I started like I was having panic attacks and my mental health wasn't great um, so that kind of had an influence on some of my decision making um, I wasn't sleeping great either over there um, but I was very comfortable you know where I was. Um, yeah. I don't know. You know, there's Denise has an unbelievable commitment and drive, and she is where she is today because of that and her hard work. You know yeah. that didn't doesn't come easy to anybody. Um, and to be quite honest, I lacked a lot of that. So you had the talent. Yeah, I didn't. Didn't you? Don't yeah. think you had the yeah. work ethic to go with it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, I got distracted very easily and my social life became my priority. And um, yeah, a lot of things started to change. I don't know the main reasoning behind it. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, I said this before as well when I was talking to someone that, you know, Denise is, is the role model for what it takes to, to make it to the top. Yeah. And I went down, I had all the talent 
and I just went downhill because it was as if I didn't want to work as hard because I thought my talent would maybe pull me through certain situations but that's just not the way sport goes unfortunately and that's a massive um, lesson isn't yes, it yes a huge you lesson know. yeah it's like it is that phrase when when hard work beats talent like mm-hmm. 100% talent doesn't work hard enough yeah and that is disappointing because you know um i do think my career could have been a lot different um yeah. if i went about it a certain way um and obviously i don't want to make excuses you know i know uh, certain things and, and situations I found myself in um, came down to other issues that I was dealing with as well that I didn't deal with properly. Um, mm. Well, talk to me more about that if you're comfortable. Yeah, um, I actually struggled a lot with drinking and alcohol and I think a lot of people know that. Um, and it started to get really bad when I actually moved over there the first time uh, with Glasgow City. Um, it was that, like, you know, that freedom that... I was living out of home on my own in the apartment in a new city and things like that. And as I said, I wasn't sleeping well. Um, and I just turned into, you know, the, the apartment I was staying in turned into the party flat. Um, I was drinking nearly every weekend, a couple of nights a week even. And it was very obvious um, to people. And I just thought, you know, this is normal. This is what people do my age. I was only 17 or 18, 19 at the time. Um, and yeah, it just spiraled completely. Um, and then I came home then. Because you had become dependent on it. Yeah. And you couldn't function. Yeah. And Glasgow City approached me and said, look, you need to change your behaviours. Um, Were you accepting or did it take you time to recognise that, yeah, I have a problem? No. When they I said was, that to you? No, I was a bit of a brat and ran away from it. I didn't think that I had a problem at all, which was probably the main issue in all of this. I didn't think that I was doing anything wrong. Um, and then I didn't think I had a problem with it at that time either. I just thought I was young and just acting the maggot, really. Um, until I came home and, uh, signed for Cork City and yeah, things just escalated very, very quickly. Okay. And by escalated, you mean that you to get help? Yeah. So, um, it was 2018, um, and it was very visible to people, especially people close to me, that I was out of control, really. Um, I was completely powerless. I didn't really, I had lost that interest in sport. You know, the one thing that I had loved, I turned a blind eye to it. Um, and it was a game we were playing against DLR in, um, in CIT. And I had promised, you know, my friends that, and girls on my team that I wasn't going to go out the night before or anything. And I had lied completely and turned up the the day of the game. Uh, my mom had collected me from a house party that morning and brought my gear in a bag. And I had to change in the car, going down, stinking a drink. Um, still drunk, to be quite honest. Um, and I walked into the dressing room and they all just looked at me. And I'll never forget it for as long as I lived the the stares that I was getting and I didn't think I was doing anything wrong that's like when I look back at it now I'm like oh my god like how did I even get myself into that situation like yeah you were in a state of oblivion really were yeah, you yeah completely yeah and it was Amanda who told Amanda the management Gordon? yeah told the management that you know it's unacceptable and I need help and that was brave out of her your 
your best friend. Yeah. Like I've read an awful lot mm-hmm. um, about it in your book, your autobiography, mm-hmm. Scoring Goals in the Dark. Yeah. And I've played with yourself and Amanda with Cork City and, you know, I always knew you had a great friendship and bond and that must have been hard for her to come out and say, this isn't acceptable. Yeah, of course. You know, we actually fell out many times because of my drinking habits. Like that wasn't, that was just the icing on the cake, I think. Um, it was all the lies about where I was, what I was doing, who I was with, yeah. you know. And I think when you start to lie, that's when you know you have a problem. Um, and I just had to take ownership. I can remember going to the training on Tuesday and putting everyone into into the dressing room and and actually apologising for my behaviour. And it was maybe the week later then... Um, Someone a part of, of Cork City put me in touch with the Drug and Alcohol Centre in Douglas. And I started my journey from there, but no one knew that I was attending this. My family didn't even know at the time that I was attending this. I was really embarrassed. I was ashamed. You know, two years previous, I was playing in the Champions League and now I'm attending a Drug and Alcohol Centre. You know, you don't put two and two together. It's just unheard of, really. Well, I thought, anyway, when I was going through it, I felt like I was the only person... That had ever gone through this. Yeah, um, you felt a lot of shame. Yeah, of course. Um, and, you know, a lot of people kicked me when I was down as well, you know, that I was a waster and this, that and the other. And they're obviously not nice things to hear. But, you know, I just, I turned to blind eye. I was just really in denial until I actually started going to help or started to, to get help that... I it really highlighted a lot of negative things. Um, I didn't actually have anything positive going for me. I wasn't playing sport or you stopped then. Yeah, um, I didn't wasn't working. Um, you know, there was nothing really in my life that was worth living for. To be quite honest, um, and it was then. Um, it was a couple of months. You know, after I'd been in the. Um, drug and alcohol centre and it was more to try and get people off my back to be quite honest and I ended up falling back into the same habits again and So like you weren't ready for yeah. to take treatment it was more to just delay or get people off your back Yeah so I highlighted a lot of things and I don't think I was very accepting of them Um, I committed for maybe six weeks and then I fell back into the trap Again, I thought, you know, the next time I drink or the next time I go out would be completely different. But anyone who knows or struggles with um, with drink um, will be able to tell you that it's ne- it never it never does change. Um, I think, you know, and that was something that I had to learn the hard way. Um, and then a couple of months later, you know, I found myself in hospital um, after my first suicide attempt with Amanda on the hospital bed and I was actually on the couch I remember waking up being like oh no like, you knew there was yeah. something terribly bad after happening yeah did yeah. you remember much not really no I just remember going around you know Cork City I, there was no one around um, I'd lost my friends I was on my own and you know I had thought about it for a long time before I actually um, had attempted um, and I think it was a massive eye opener for me, especially um, what I was doing and what I was putting into my body. Um, like, what what would be your message for someone who is struggling and thinking of suicide? Like, what would be your just message if you could tell them one thing they could hear 
no. Speak. You know, be open, be honest. You know, a problem halved, or a problem shared is a problem halved. At the end of the day, you know, I thought, and I know a lot of people think that they're alone when they're going through things like this, but you're not. Like, there's people who love you everywhere, and you just, you don't feel it. It just takes one second to speak to let someone know how you're feeling, and the weight just lifts off your shoulders completely. Open up. (laughs) Yes. This is where we leave part one of my conversation with Claire Shine on Hear Me Roar. Tune in next week for part two, the last episode of the series, as Claire talks about her decision to retire and adapting to life without football. And I think, you know, when I do have these conversations with people, it can be very dark, which is something I'm trying to change because... Yeah, I went through, you know, very difficult periods, but I'm here to tell the story. I'm here to tell the tale. You know, I'm still smiling. Hear Me Roar was presented by me, Valor McKay, and produced and edited by Rory O'Hagan for Cork's Red FM. Music was by the wonderful Jack O'Rourke. Thanks to my friends at mygames.ie, who created a beautiful memento for each of my special guests. Gorev Magot, as Clusa Hurt Domanov, Agusbeg Meg Heintliv Gulua. Slán. <laughs>